Welcome to the podcast, it's the Lanky Guys, singing over the song that introduces the music of the podcast. That was a bit of a different one today. It's usually some variation of the same tune, but you yeah. mix it up a little bit. Yeah, man, well, it's because it's like early in the morning it on is. Friday. We, uh, I, if you are a regular, which many of you are, you might be wondering why the podcast didn't show up at the normal time this week. It's because we took All Saints Day off because it's a, a solemnity for Pete's sake. Well, today's a and solemnity day. Sorry, too. it was a feast day. It was also a feast day. What is today? What's the difference? Today's All Souls. I know, I know what it is. It's a but, solemnity. But yesterday was bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's bigger because it's a, a, a obligation holy day. Yeah, but isn't there a terminology that that? No. Clarifies. Oh, really? No, no. It just happens to be a solemnity with holy, with an obligation. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a solemnity obligation, and today's just a solemnity with no obligation. Today's a feast as well, though, right? Yeah, I mean, feast and solemnity. Yeah, solemnity Slash. is 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 just a higher level of feast. Well, that's why I thought yesterday was, and today wasn't. No, no, and they're so just they're just both the same thing, but just one's bigger. Just one's bigger. Cool, man. Well, anyway, we that's li- we like saints more than we like everybody souls. else. Well, they're on their way to being saints. We, we know that. So there's somebody. True. There's probably like a, a bunch of people sitting in purgatory. They're like, next year, next year, it's my day <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so it's early Friday morning that we're recording this. So for all of you pastors who are frantic trying to write your homilies, <laughs> sorry <laughs> you're getting suckers. it on Fridays. Uh, it's all right. You're not suckers. Yes, you are. I don't think you are. No. But you're a priest, so you can no, say whatever you want. No, to I'm you're... so I'm so I'm so like <laughs> totally bleary eyed that I'm. You're just a little gonna, I'm just gonna say things, and I had to stop eating my cookie. You have a giant chocolate chip cookie, and a cup of coffee. Yeah, this man. Is, this is living, right? Do, do you know how much I love like a chocolate chip cookie and I coffee actually... in the morning? I didn't know about the combo. I do know how much you love the cookies. Do you know what? Do you know what You've I also love? Is I love the years. I love coffee. And pepperoni pizza. That makes me a cold pepperoni pizza with coffee. It's like there's something magical that combines in that moment that it's really special. I'm not with you on that. I love you. I respect. It's just it's just hard. I don't like that. And it's not just because I can't eat gluten. (laughs) It's okay. There's other reasons. Well, I can I can respect you. Thanks, man. Even if it's early in the morning. It, I'd like being respected at any time of day yeah, well, or night. It is the fourth Sunday of... No, it's not. Fourth it's it's November 4th. It's November 4th. <laughs> There's reason for my folly. <laughs> it's the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time, falling on November 4th. Dude, you know what I like? So I is, is I like you're, you're trying to like ramp up to, to counteract I'm, the earliness of the morning, dude. I'm... Dude, I've been up for like five hours. Yeah, whatever, dude. Let's be honest. <laughs> I've been up for like five minutes. I'm not trying bro. to complain about it. That's <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. I'm well, just saying. This first... is like coffee number four. Yep. This is the, the thir- thir- 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. I just said that. And um, and the first reading is from the Deuteronomy <laughs> chapter six, okay. verses two to six. Two to six. Our responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm number 18, verse two to three, three to four, 40. <laughs> 47 and then 51. <laughs> that is a jump. And I, I have. I think that might Holy actually mackerel. be the largest our largest jump that we've had. Yes, it is the largest jump. Dude, of I'm, the day. I'm trying to wake up, dude. You're fine. Come on. You, you gotta, would make you fun gotta, of me if I said largest. You gotta, you gotta be you gotta relax, man. Do you honestly think you, gotta, like, chill out, you man. would have let me Join go me. if I said largest? No, I, of course I would Thank have you. said largest. All right. Our book from Hebrews is the reading of seven. Helen, that's me. This is my job, dude. <laughs> I know <laughs> you need to you need to relax, dude, man. I'm it's early in the you. morning. It's I'm early. Messing with you, I'm gonna mess with you, dude. 
All right, our our second reading today is from John De Liberto. Nice. Um, it's Hebrews of chapter seven, verses twenty three to twenty eight. That's right. Um, and our gospel is from the Gospel of Mark, according to Mark, chapter twelve, verses twenty eight b through thirty four. We hate a. That's a terrible part of the passage. Yeah, man. Why why include A when oh, you, when you, can when just you go can go ditch to it. B? You know what I'm saying? Just, Amen. Just like that awkward friend of yours. Oh. It's your why include A? Is that a? me, do you think? It is you today. Oh, if you don't have that awkward friend, are you the awkward friend? Yes. You, you've heard that adage, right? If you don't have a Michael Scott like from the office in your life, then you probably are Michael Scott. Dude, you know that I was I was going over my Myers Briggs personality <laughs> and they were they were going through examples of Myers Briggs personality types. Okay. And Michael Scott is absolutely my is my personality no, he's type. Not. He is in the NFP, dude. Absolutely, man. No, he's not. Father Peter No, he God, is don't make dude, me he build was, you up. It was on the internet, dude. Oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> Oh well if it's on the internet. Well all right. you guys Deuteronomy six is my favorite passage from Deuteronomy. Well, then talk to me about it, man. It's the most, I'm hesitating to say this, but I think it's safe, or at least it's pretty close to being safe and true. I think it's safe to say that this is the most important prayer in all of Judaism. This is the Shema, the famous Shema prayer. Absolutely. And you'd include this in the, um, uh, I want to say Mestizo, that's not the right thing, the mezuzahs. Yes. Yeah, very good. So actually, the the whole description, that's well done. The um the description or the explanation for mezuzahs and phylacteries and all of these things actually comes in the in the verses following this. So let's unpack it really quick. Where where we are? We're in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, we we uh have come out of the Exodus. This is this is a fascinating moment for the salvation history period people of Israel. It is kind of early. I've been up for a long time, but I haven't talked to people much except for yelling at kids to get their breakfast eaten and their shoes on. I can tell. I haven't articulated things. <laughs> Get your shoes on. Get in the car. Father Peter's waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're like you're like treating me like one of them this morning. No, I am. Oh. Yes, you are. You're the one that told me to step on it when I couldn't figure out the software. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Remember that, Father Peter? I do remember that now. All right. Um, so where we are? Let's calm calm ourselves. <laughs> okay, here we are. Where we are in salvation history is the moment after. Well, it's not the moment. So Israel has come out of Egypt. We've crossed the Red Sea, right? We've gone into the wilderness. They have had the grand sin of the golden calf. Did you know, and I was talking to some people about this recently, for the Jewish people, the golden calf was a bigger sin than even the original sin of Adam and Eve. No. It's considered considered like a whole other level. Partially because they see the nature of what Adam and Eve did a little bit differently than Christians do, yeah. but also it's the idea that but we we like it was explicit. God showed Himself in the most explicit way. We had everything, and we still blew it. Like the original sin is like primordial. It's all, you know there's there's ways they sort of look past it, but the golden calf, it is the fall of Israel for the Jewish people in their minds. Mm. And so because of this great sin, which was which was nothing less than. God, who wooed the people that he loved, who had forgotten about him in Egypt, took them out to the wilderness to win their hearts, took Moses up on a mountain to basically exchange the wedding vows that God wanted to have with his people 
to marry them, to wed them to his soul. The Ten Commandments in the Jewish tradition are seen as wedding vows, literally, mm. which is a different way than sort of our Western minds make them very law and rules and that kind of thing. That's not how they were seen. They, this was the vows. And as they're exchanging wedding vows, I mean, I, I, I give the analogy in a class I was teaching recently. It's, it's the golden calf, of course, was one of the was one of the uh, gods of Egypt. It was Apis, probably, which was prominent in Egypt. They probably would have worshipped it in their days. They had a pantheon of gods that they believed in, and it's it's the, the, everyone always tries to think of analogies for the golden calf. And Scott Hahn has a bunch of analogies. And but I was thinking about it, and imagine you've just gotten married. You've just it's your wedding night, and you went to the hotel to have your first night together. And your wife, your spouse, I'm a guy, so my wife, your spouse, your brand new spouse goes out to get some present that she had prepared for you. And while she's gone, you determine, well, I guess she took off. I'm going to call a prostitute now. That's what the golden calf is. Mm. I guess that's that. I guess she took off on me because she's been gone for five minutes. Yeah. So now I'm going to turn to something else. That's that's the weight of it. So because of five that. Five minutes is a little bit I know of a it's not five stretch. minutes. It's, it's no, like it's if deeper she, than le- that. she left for a week, you know? It's, it's, it's if she left for a week and the place that she went exploded into fire and lightning and explosions, which was what they were seeing when they looked up <laughs> on Mount Sinai. In, in Israel's defense, Yeah. they saw terrifying things up on the mountain. They're like, there's no way Moses is coming back. Yeah, and but and, it was this act. It was this. It was this. Um, God asking for their trust. Yeah, and I, and and it's like I see the the casting of the mo- of the of the calf, the golden calf. Like, I mean, we hear you know we threw the stuff into the fire and and the calf came out. We don't know. Yeah, well, well, this is interesting because they probably I've I've told this on the on the podcast before, but the that um you, like oftentimes in in foundries what you would do is you would pour molten metal onto the ground if like like afterwards or something and then you can see i remember um a close family friend of ours had this like bugling sheep on top of a mountain from uh, a uh, from a casting they just thrown aluminum onto the floor molten aluminum and this really interesting animal shape came out so I, I always come back it's to like that. It's like the Blessed Mary who appeared on a piece of toast in Wisconsin or no, something. Do you remember that? Yes, you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly it. It's there's even a there's <laughs> even an Owen Wilson movie about the the sprinkler made the Virgin Mary on the side of the building. Oh Lord have but mercy. But this no, it's it's exactly like that where you're you're saying like, look, this spontaneous thing happened. They probably just they wet the sand mm. and then they they poured the molten metal out to see what would come out and they found this golden calf and they said, Look, it's, it's Apis. He it's, loves us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because right. what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell the future they're trying to find security again yeah oh absolutely when, when they're totally insecure for sure for sure and and so they're doing uh, an, an attempted mystical practice of which obviously the evil one had some sort of weird hand in absolutely none of which is really what the reading is about today. absolutely <laughs> but, it's just context this is, this is great context so that happens um god picks them back up they have the ten commandments uh, they have more laws on top of them to to deal with their 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 weakness because this is this is the lack of trust. They finally get to the promised land. Remember, they get to the promised land. They say, "No, we could never inhabit this land. It's too powerful. People are too big. It's too scary. There's no way we can do it." And that's the point that God's like, "All right, I'm done. I'm done with you guys. I'm not done loving you. I'm not done caring for you." But He says to the generation that came out of Egypt, "You are not going to see the promised land. Right. I'm going to wait you out. Basically, right. forty years. I'm going to wait you out until your children take over and you're." all dead. Mm-hmm. The book of Deuteronomy is the message that Moses gives to that new generation who have now seen their parents basically die off, who have now an opportunity to do the things that their parents were never able to do, to go into the promised land, to become the people of God. And so most of Deuteronomy 
the first chunk of the book is basically just Moses giving a long homily looking back on how we got here. And the next part is basically a long commentary on the Ten Commandments. Here's what it means. Here's all these Ten Commandments that seem so simple and intuitive, but obviously weren't because they were too difficult for us. And so chapter six enters us into this long commentary on what does this mean? And at the very beginning of this long commentary on the Ten Commandments, I think there's chapter six through 11 alone is just on the first commandment, just about loving the Lord your God above, because this is the struggle, right? Not to mention the fact that monotheism was a completely foreign idea for the ancient Near East. Nobody was monotheistic. Nobody believed in only one God. So even the golden calf thing, I mean, Israel was probably of the mindset, well, here's this new God. We'll add him sort of into our pantheon of gods and we'll see how he plays out. Right. Right. And so when he didn't play out, they're like, well, we'll go back to something else because there was no there's no concept that there's only one. And so that's what this is trying to stress. This is the sort of major main prime fundamental foundational dogmatic statement that makes Israel Israel. <laughs> the amount of I know there's so many you, adjectives. Did you there. just support it? It was real. I was like, I just wanted you to do a couple more. Just no, that's all I got. Name, man. This is what I got. <laughs> so Moses begins this reading by saying, hey, fear the Lord. He's going to take you into the land that he's been preparing for you. But then we get the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel. Shema means to not just to hear, but to ob- in Hebrew, there's no difference between hearing and obeying. Shema is, it means the same thing. Hmm. So in English, there's two different words, right? For to hear and to obey. But it's the concept like, how do you know that someone has really heard you if they do what you've asked, right? Hmm. So I can yell at my kids to get their shoes on and get in the car for to go to school. And they might hear me in a certain sense, but they haven't really heard me until they actually do what I've asked, right? Mm. That's the concept here. So hear, O Israel. Don't just hear me in your ears, but obey me. Listen to me. Do it. Turn around. Mm. Because the Lord our God is the Lord alone. That is the primary, fundamental, adjective, 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 doctrinal statement of Israel. That's what makes Israel Israel. Because there's been no religion or nation that has believed that other than Israel at this time. Later on, there'll be other religions. But... That there's only one God. And so if that's true, therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and take to heart these words, heart, these words which I enjoin on you today. Then it goes on to basically say, and then these words are so important, you should put them on their doorways. That's the mezuzah you're talking about, these little boxes that Jewish people will have on their doorways of their homes or on synagogues that have this scripture inside. And maybe you've seen phylacteries, right, which are those very orthodox Jewish people sometimes have little boxes strapped to their forehead or their wrists where they keep actually this scripture and actually a couple of verses from the golden calf incident in there as well so that they never forget Keep it on your mind, on your hands, on your doorways. Speak of them everywhere. This was the prayer that you would speak into a baby's ear when it was born. This is the prayer that you'd want whispered in your ear on your deathbed. This is what you say in the morning when you wake up. This is what you say when you're passing people on the street. This prayer is everything in Israel. You know what? It was interesting. I was talking to to a a friend about marriage just yesterday, and uh, we were talking about how how challenging it is to get married and let the will of another person into your own will. Oh my. So yeah, you're yeah, yeah. so so it's like now I am now I'm with this other person who has all these different opinions and all of these different expressions in their hearts and um and I now actually am supposed to take that to myself. It's like the podcast. <laughs> it's like you and I actually <laughs> trying to have a conversation. <laughs> a good. little bit. Yeah. But but um but how and we were talking about how profoundly difficult it is um to do that naturally, but that if you're willing and if you've actually had the practice of 
turning your heart and your mind towards God, that you're going to actually, you're, you're going to have enough practice to be able to, to do that with another human being. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's hearing, there's obeying. Now I can obey. I can actually just, I can just give assent. I can do it. But I don't have to take that to my heart. Whereas if I'm actually courageous, like you're like your kids, when they, 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 they'll put their shoes on. Right. But then there's this moment when they're, they're like, they're like, oh, I get why you're doing this. And I love putting my shoes on because of, you know, no kid has ever said that. No, they're, or will ever. No, I mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it's like, but it's not the rote obedience. It's not because it's it's not servile. It's like, Oh no, I'm going to take that to my heart. It's an understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really where it's like, it's like, okay, so here, so obey, but now let this absorb uh, all of this stuff in and make it your will because it is marital. Well, and that's what, what you, what you said is actually really important because what it says, and I won't unpack this whole thing. I was thinking about this a lot, actually. Um, This, I I love talking about this passage because there's so much more than what we see. Mm. And this is me saying a couple words here is actually going to take care of some of our mileage in the gospel. So, Mm, so don't worry, we will save some time by doing this. (laughs) Um, But the three things that that are said here, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your strength. Jesus later on in the gospel today will add mind to that right? for a number of reasons. But the heart, love the Lord with your, all your heart. Um, I get hung up on that because we have this culture that I have that does not understand what the heart is, right. mainly because of um, the Hallmark Channel. And um, you know, the Hallmark Channel put out for Christmas this year. They produced thirty six new Christmas movies just for the Christmas season. <laughs> wow! Which I guarantee you are all some variation of the exact same plot. Yes. I don't know how many Hallmark Channel Christmas movies you've watched in your time. Never. But I've watched. I mean, I, I've I watched can't. my share. Wow! I can. They're tell. all the same. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No offense to any of you who absolutely love them, like my wife, who really is a sucker for the Hallmark Channel <laughs> movies. But but uh, what's the point? And they're fine. They're, which they're, makes they're you a sucker for the Hallmark movies? Because given I'm a our sucker for her. Yeah. Um, they're they're benign, but we have this understanding partially because of sappy sappy English poetry and and all sorts of cultural things that when we hear the word heart, we think of it as emotion, right? Heart yes. equals emotion, right. which is not the Semitic understanding. It's not the Hebrew understanding of what heart is. You know, we tell somebody heartless if they if they don't if they're not emotional. I was watching an episode of Friends. You remember Friends? Yeah. There's an episode where Chandler can't cry. It's okay. a really it's a really funny episode, but everyone's like, "You have no heart. You can't cry." Blah blah blah. But we've relegated heart to that, right? It's emotionalism, which there's a part of that. But in Hebrew, it, the word lavav. There's a passage in the Catechism about this that is one of the most brilliant little theological paragraphs that's ever been written. Wow! And I wish I had the paragraph number in front of me. It's in the fourth pillar, to the very beginning of the fourth pillar of the Catechism. Anyway, but basically, it says what what lavav is, which is the word for heart. It's not simply our emotions. It's it's the place of decision. It's the place where we meet God face to face. It's the place where we decide who we are. Will we choose life or will we choose death? It's the it's the place of decision. It's like the Valley of Shechem, right, where they say, "Choose this day whether you who you're going to serve. Is it life or is it death?" Mm. That's for the Hebrews what the heart is. And so when it says, "Love the Lord with all your heart," it's saying, "Love the Lord with your will. Decide." Not just because it feels good and it gives you warm fuzzies, but make a decision that you will serve him unlike your parents' generation did. That you will deny all of these things that are hard and difficult and you will decide, even when it's difficult, to follow the Lord. Mm. Which is which is describing marriage. Right. Which people get so many divorces. Well, there's lots of reasons for divorce, but I think a lot of our culture has fallen into this 
I don't feel warm fuzzies toward you anymore. I don't feel emotional toward you anymore. Therefore, this must be over because that's what I've been taught my heart is. But that's not what your heart is. The heart is the will in a certain sense. So give the Lord all of that. And then it says with all your soul, the word for soul, it's nephes, N-E-P-H-E-S in Hebrew. I love this word because so even that with how do I love the Lord with my soul? That doesn't even mean anything. If If you really think about that. I don't know what to do with that line. What's my soul? It's some intangible in me. So how do I give that to the Lord? But nefez is different. It, it means personality? our personality. Yeah. yeah. The things that make you, your idiosyncrasies, your weirdness, right? <laughs> the things that are, yeah, that. Love the Lord with that. Yeah. But that's kind of beautiful, isn't it? That all of your, like, that's what the podcast is. Like, we, we hope, we try to give some good teaching. Right. But we're also weirdos. And we don't really hold Speak that back yourself, on the podcast. Dude. Because we're giving the Lord our nefez. Right. So we're going to produce this piece of ministry that's just a little bit weird and funky and has to have a lot of editing every week. <laughs> but that is kind of giving the Lord our nefez, our soul. Right. And then strength, there's actually no word in Hebrew for this. It, well, it's the word meod, so I guess there's a word. But the word for strength, it's just the equivalent of putting five exclamation points. Mm. So love the Lord in your will. Decide you're going to do it with everything that makes you uniquely you, including your baggage and your messiness and your, your the things that excite you and make you happy. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That's what Israel is called to do. That's the reminder. That's what we are being asked. Right. Um, which is, again, this is the foundation for everything that will come later. So when well, we get to Psalm 18... Well, this is, oh. and we, we are in conversion. This is the thing, is, is, that, is that if you want to talk about conversion, this is the place of conversion. You know that it's the moment where you go, ah, yep, okay. And I, that's what the whole book of Deuteronomy is. Right. Saying, are you willing to do, are you willing to convert? Right. And you were here, and now I want to take you here. Are you going to do it? And you go like... Oh, I've decided. You're, you're like, you're like. Oh, I look at my life. I've decided, and now I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna strength this. I'm gonna exclamation point this. You know, I'm like mayod. I'm gonna mayod this. Mayod, yeah, dude. It's like a ham sandwich with mayod on it. They wouldn't have eaten the ham though. Oh, you're right. Pretty unclean. That's pretty distasteful. Yeah, right? dude. I'm, what am I even <laughs> saying? Okay, no, the, the, but that's where we get to Psalm 18. Well, and, I, and I the, love you, Lord, my strength. Yes, it's what? just like. But it's not, I love you, Lord, because I just feel good. Right. I am choosing. I hear you. I shema you. And I love you. And I'm choosing to love you. And, and, but this, it's, I love you, Lord, my exclamation points. This is the thing is that, is that it's, it's oh, interesting. Like, it's, Ooh, that's yeah. cool. I've never thought of it that way. It's, it's what, what Ooh, is, I like that. we talk about grace builds on nature. So, mm. so when you say, okay, I will serve, the Lord's like, okay, boom, I'm going to take your nature and now I'm going to actually make it a source of the transformation in the world. That's why wow. we celebrated all saints yesterday. Yeah. And saints are weird, man. Yeah, they, they are. They, they, they just like, they, w- I, I was, I made a joke in the liturgy and okay. I was talking about, I was oh. like, I was like, they, the in saints. In the homily or in the liturgy? In the in the homily. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, in, yeah. not in the Eucharistic prayers. But but it was kind of a weird joke because I was like I was like the saints in heaven. What? They're celebrating. You made a weird joke in your homily. <laughs> they're celebrating in heaven, and I was like I was like I think that they dress up as each other. <laughs> so, so, so Saint Francis when his Saint Thomas he patted it, he put like he put on a fat suit and a and a Dominican habit and, and he's like what's up and like oh my gosh. you know and that's I, I, one of the best images I've ever received. And Thank they, you for that. Yeah, and I just they thought dress that was, up as each other. <laughs> it's like, 
Oh, and poor Drogo is like, nobody dressed up as me again this year. You guys have a sick coffee shop down in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful image. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's kind of weird, man. No, it's it's as weird as it gets. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. way to bring your nefez to the podcast. Dude, that's where, dude, St. Ignatius went as St. Joan of Arc. <laughs> and God's like, no. He's like, he's like, yeah, man. I'm sorry, bro, uh-huh. man. He's like, he's like, well, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like. Wait, who went as Joan of Arc? Who did you say? Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius wouldn't have done that. Of all the, maybe Philip Neri would have would have pulled that off, but Ignatius would not. Ignatius is sitting, shaking his head. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, dude, Joan of Arc went as Mother Teresa. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't even know. It's this just, is it's wonderful. Just, it's just such a weird musing. It's a great musing. Yeah, this yeah. everyone's going to be thinking about this. <laughs> For the rest of the morning, because now my mind's stuck on it, <laughs> it's like, and I kind of love it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, okay. Uh, so yeah, that's the psalm. The psalm is is I love you. I love you, Lord. My exclamation point. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second reading. This is Hebrews. We've been marching through. This is the continuation of the little explication that's been given in Hebrews of. Well, in in a certain sense, I mean, the book of Hebrews. So it's. it's mm, I'm about to say something that might be way off base, but just take it for what it is. The book of Deuteronomy was written to this people that had to make a decision. Are you going to be like your parents' generation? Or are you going to be like the ones that God is calling you to be? Right. Are you going to choose today? Here is what lies before you. Here right. is life. Are you going to choose it or not? Totally. In a certain sense, Hebrews is the same message written for a, a, an entirely new generation. Remember that it's being written to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, converts, mm. who are probably struggling with this idea of people saying, you know, we, our job as Hebrews is to fight for the holy city. We're going to destroy Rome. Jerusalem's under attack. We need to go after this. We need to fight this holy war. And you have these Jewish Christians saying, but wait a second, we believe in this Jesus who we believe was the Messiah who told us not to do that. And now we're really confused because our Jewish friends and our family are telling us this. But we're saying, no, that's not really our high priest. He's over here, and that's not really our temple either. And our liturgy is different, but I don't even understand why Jesus is our temple and our liturgy and our high priest. And I'm confused. And it's basically this book laying out, it's called A Word of Exhortation, that says, hey, here's the truth. Here is all the, here are all the facts. Choose this day who you're going to serve. What are you going to do? There's one high priest on this side. Who is Jesus, who is perfectly God, who is perfect humanity, but who doesn't carry any of the baggage and the weight and the sin that you carry. So he is freer to offer the sacrifice. Here is second option number B, Caiaphas. Here's the other high priest who does have all these things. Here is option A for the temple that you could worship in. Here's option B for the temple that you could worship in. But it's laying out this reality and saying, okay, here is all the facts. You have everything. Now you can levav. Now you can retreat to your levav and say, okay, what am I going to do in this moment of decision, in this valley of decision, like a new Shechem, right? Who am I going to serve? And so it continues to lay out, hey, there's lots of Levitical priests because they're prevented from death by remaining in office, but Jesus is a priest forever. Levitical priests had um, term limits, right? They could only serve between, I think it was the ages of like 30 and 50 or something, something like that. Okay. And it's just going through and saying, look, this is, all of these things are proofs that this is not it. How can you have a Levitical priest who is perfectly representing you to God who's term limited? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus isn't term limited. He remains forever. He's eternal. He's able to approach, uh, to, to save those who approach God through him. Since he lives forever, he can make intercessions. It's not like he's going to hit 51 and be like, oh, I can't intercede for you guys anymore. I'm done. I'm out. 
Right. That doesn't make any sense. And so it's laying this out, showing why, if you really understand your options, one is the way of life and one is the way of death. And if you know all the facts, how can you not choose life? Well, and that's also, it's saying like the, the personality, the, the, the lavav of God. Nefez. Nefez. <laughs> Sorry. The, the, the lavabo of God. It's a lot. It's a lot for you. And the Shechem. On a Friday. Is, 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 I keep throwing out Shechem. You remember what Shechem was, though? Yeah. The valley in between the two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, where they yeah, yelled yeah. the blessings and the curses. Okay, yeah. Sorry, Shechem. One I mean, was, shoulder. One, one was barren, one was fruitful. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's saying no, no. Like God actually, it's speaking to the the eternal truth of the Trinitarian life that God is permanent and unchanging within His person, and that that um, that the Lord has actually made us in a specific way, and that we actually are meant to love it forever the Lord in the truth of our being. Um, it because because of now we we're transformed whereas God is permanent and unchanging. So yes. I don't know. That's just a, just a thought, which brings us to the gospel. Which brings us to the gospel. Yeah. Which um you I I read it's hard. I don't know what to say. It's hard for me to read this and not sense some snark in this scribe who's talking to Jesus. I don't think there is any snarkiness in him. It's you know what it is is because you have to answer questions from people all who are often snarky. <laughs> who are often, I think you had a snarky conversation with somebody. Well, this I is the thing is, is I but I think we just hear scribes. We're like, "Oh, we this is part of the danger of having some familiarity with the gospels is that we hear, "Oh, that person's a Pharisee. Oh, that person's a scribe. Oh, they must be a you know, they punk. must be a hypocrite. They must be a punk. But, you know, there's lots of scribes. I mean, Nicodemus is this Pharisee who is, is no, he's part of the Sanhedrin, right? Is he a Pharisee? I'm thinking uh, of the Gospel of John, but he becomes crucial in the ministry of the church. Peter, or Paul, of course, is a Pharisee. Right. And he becomes converted. I mean, so, but I just hear, oh, a scribe came up and asked Jesus a question. 90% of the time when a scribe comes to ask Jesus a question, he's trying to trip him up or trap him somehow, right? Well, usually it's grandstanding. It's, it's, or it's, it's grandstanding. It's, yeah. it's just like a theolo- it's like theological drama. In a way to trick him. Right. And, and show what he's a fool. Jesus sees that this is not what this person, this person actually, <laughs> which it's, so maybe, maybe there's something to this because Jesus and the disciples who are around him, they are used to these religious leaders and these scribes asking Jesus questions to grandstand, to try to trap him, to try to make him look like a fool, to try to trick him. And it's easy then to put everybody in the same category. And it says that Jesus actually sees, no, this guy actually is looking for understanding. Mm. He's questioning Jesus, not because he's like, you know, not in a, in a trial sense. He's questioning Jesus because he wants to know. Which I, I don't know. We don't have a, I don't know. Maybe this is my own cultural um, editorial. I don't think we have a culture that questions because we want to know things. We have a culture that questions each other and puts things on social media because we want to make people look like fools. And then sometimes when you find someone who's genuinely searching for understanding, they're kind of a rare anomaly because you're like, oh, well, this, I really want to know. Well, yeah, this is the difference between uh, synthetic and diacritical. So like, like, like we really in our, in our culture, what we want to do is we want to dissect. It, it's partly because the philosophical tradition of education is more based in a, in science, which is going to actually break something to discover what it is rather than to um, a, assemble it to discover 
how are what are the links? I mean that that that's yeah. actually yeah. that's actually what makes our podcast stand out as as, as as something that's slightly different is that our whole goal is to say let's presume that these are pieces that are meant to go together. Yeah, absolutely. Versus let's actually try to understand who wrote it, it's it's like um what's the what's the biblical method where everything is just um, JEDP. Yeah, JEDP. Which yeah. There's merit in parts of it, but it, it is but, but it lends itself to a skepticism, which is on a, on a on a specific academic level. There's certain things that you can learn right. from it, but but then the but re- as an ethos, as an the e- presumption that these are disconnected in of themselves is it's the wrong approach, which is which is actually where we come from culturally. Yeah, so absolutely. so even when you're looking at this guy and he says, "What's the first of all the commandments?" You almost feel like, "Oh, he's baiting him." Well, I think what he's actually asking Jesus, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, he's looking for Jesus's yoke. Remember every good rabbi would have his You're yoke. You're yoking here, man. <laughs> but the yoke was like, yep. you know, what is your kind of one sentence description of what is the law? Summarize the law for me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, numerically, he knows what the first one is. That's not what he's asking. Right. He's saying, summarize the law for me. It, how would you, this is why you can hear some genuineness. How would you summarize the law? And he says the first law, hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. That's the first commandment. But then he adds the Shema. And he's like, and here's how we understand that commandment. And then he adds to, to heart and soul and mo- uh, strength, he adds mind. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe even that culture like we have, we've begun to lose the idea of heart. And we have to add mind because you need to stress that, no, this is a decision. There is will involved here. It's not just an emotionalism. I don't think they've lost the heart by this point yet, but we certainly have. So thank goodness that Jesus adds the mind to it. Well, I mean, you can, I mean, this is Thomistic, this is Thomistic philosophical anthropology. How the mind presents to the will goods to choose. Yes, absolutely. And so, so to yep. we actually have to know know the truth to choose the truth. That's why it's like you cannot love what you do not know. Yes. And so, so, so yeah, so, that's good. That's a good. You cannot love what you do not know. But there's another. You can flip that. So here's here's. I know we have to wrap this up because you need to run. Right. Um. But here's what I'm left with with this, and we can we can call it a day on this. He says, Jesus says the answer. He adds the second commandment, and you have to love your neighbor as yourself. That's not to be forgotten. Um, this scribe is like, yeah, no, you're right. That's that's good. And he adds his own little, he's like, this, you know, it's better than all the sacrifices and burnt offerings. And Jesus says, yeah, you get this. You understand in your head. Oh. And what does he say? He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But what does Jesus not say to him? You're in the kingdom of God. He doesn't God. say you're in the kingdom of God. He says you're close. You have summarized the law. You have understood the the context and the meaning of these prayers, and you have articulated with your mind mm-hmm. what is going on here. Right. But you're still not there. You need to make an act of the will, because where have we just come from? We've just come last week from the story of a blind beggar who had some understanding but in his will, he said, I will get up, I will throw off my mantle, and I will follow you anywhere. I get it in my mind, and because I get it in my mind, I will choose in my levav to follow you. Mm. This guy's like, no, I get it, I see it. And I think Jesus is baiting him with, so now what are you going to do? Now what? It's great to get it. It's great to understand it. Now choose. I think mm. that's what he's leaving this guy with. Get and he lo- the heart. But he loves him, not in a sense of like, oh, come on, man, you got you got to do something now. What are you going to do? It's not it's not Jesus baiting him the other way. It's saying, I love you, and I'm really hoping that you choose to love me back. 
Right. I mean, it's interesting because Jesus and this is this is goes to the unique nature of each human person, because the other some uh, other guy will come up and he's like he's he's getting it. And he's like, OK, go sell everything you have and come follow me. Oh, yeah, that guy. You know, but but that's, can't do it. But that's the that's the proper response for him. For this yes. guy, he says, "You're not far," because what's what's happening is he's seeing that this guy is actually he's a contemplative. He's, the other guy wasn't far either, though. He wasn't far either. But again, he wasn't willing to take the next step. Whereas all of the, this guy actually just needed to be inv- invited to actually consider it. Right. You're not far. And so now he's going to hang out and he's like, what does it mean to be far from the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? He's processing these things. Yep. And it's always to remember that there is a dynamic action of God individually in our lives that cooperates with the nature of our personalities. When what did you say about marriage? It's conforming our will to the will of another. Right. That's what he's being. That's what's being asked here. That's the relationship that's, that's being presented here. Right. Which was the relationship from the time of Exodus, which is what Deuteronomy is about, which is what Hebrews is about, which is what the psalm is articulating. And what and what this podcast is about. And what this podcast is about. <laughs> so, so, hey, thanks for letting my will into your will, Scott. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for reciprocating. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> On that app, you know. <laughs> okay. Bless you. Oh, we'll see you guys next time. Okay, bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.